got a lot of ground to cover this morning. Um, I say that tongue in cheek because sometimes it's uh, what I what I think I might cover, or we don't, and sometimes what I think that uh, we won't cover, we do. So it's always kind of kind of uh, up in the air. But uh, I'm going to kind of get right with it here this morning, just because of some of the things that we have um, that I feel like I need to spend a little time in. Um, Let's uh, just a quick overview. I'm going to do this, honestly, relatively quick. Uh, I like to do this just so that we kind of keep in our minds those things that we've covered and where we are. Um, we've got the, the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians where problems were reported to Paul, House of Chloe. We've got some things that, that Paul deals with, uh, divisions, chapters 1 through 4, uh, fornication, discipline, lawsuits, Things kind of change where they've submitted questions or at least have inquired uh, about issues that they're dealing with. And they've asked Paul and he responds to them. Um, he says, now concerning those things that you've written to me, uh, marriage in chapter 7, those things sacrificed to aisles, the covering, abuse of the Lord's Supper, uh, spiritual gifts, false teaching in the resurrection, and collection for the saints in chapter 16. Uh, I'm going to just go through this also quick with looking at chapter 1. We saw divisions in wisdom of men. Faith does not rest in the wisdom of men, the power of God, the wisdom of God in chapter 2. Chapter 3, preachers were just mere servants and uh, fellow workers. and They needed to recognize them as such um, and needed to have the proper view of preachers in chapter 4. Chapter 5 was fornicator among them. The bigger problem was they were arrogant and puffed up about that and uh, were tolerating sin in the church. And Paul's uh, basically emphatically tells them that they need to deal with that and eradicate that problem ASAP. Chapter 6, we looked at lawsuits, taking a brother to court. The last part of that chapter was uh, dealing with sexual immorality, fornication. Chapter 7, uh, we looked at questions and concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Um, Matt took us through chapters 8, 9, and 10, actually last week. Um, basically, in a nutshell, looking at and, and telling the Corinthian brethren they need to take care with their liberty. Uh, be an individual who can uh, think of your brother versus yourself. Paul talks about chapter 9 himself, his apostolic example as, a, as, as an apostle, and uh, those in, in ways that he utilizes his liberty. And uh, shows us that. And then the things that Israel, mistakes that Israel had made, and basically Paul tells them, look at them, take heed lest you fall. This morning, we're going to look at uh, a really, uh, from, from things that I've heard even at, at my age through the, through the years, uh, of, of many times a very controversial subject matter, um, the head covering. Um, and also the latter part of chapter 11, the abuse of the Lord's Supper. Um, we're going to start into this, um, and, and what I'd like to do this morning is uh, going to look at some, some things that I've put together with regard to the head covering. Uh, verses chapter, chapter 11, verses 2 through 16, uh, we're going to look at uh, the order of headship. We're going to look at... Uh, uh, show honor to the head by use of the covering. Woman's created subject, sub, subjection to man, the nature and the environment. Thinking about uh, what was 
prevalent at the time and also custom and practice. What was, what was the custom? What was uh, involved in what was going on uh, there at Corinth um, that uh, Paul would have addressed them with regard to this, to this matter? Um, one of the things that uh, I, I want to I kind of just bring out right up front, if you have a comment or a question, um, I may not have the answer for it. Uh, so if that's not to say that I'm going to just uh, let it go, but uh, it may be something I have to research or look at. Uh, there, there are some with regard to this particular um, subject matter. Some feel that uh, this is a binding matter. This is one that's even with regard to a test of faith. This is one that uh, some, you know, I, I look out across this audience right now, and uh, I, I know periodically we've had those that have come on, come to come, come to visit us, who've uh, who will have the, the a head covering. Um, but you know, I'll tell you, in in my study of this, I even find comment that some of the. the the commentaries and some of those that talk about this that have really dug into it from past uh, many years of experience and just in their writings. And again, you, you have to take some of that with a grain of salt. But uh, you know, many are that try to write things. I believe that are that are truth that are try to be uh, as as accurate as possible. But you still have to verify some of those things and, and look at that. But I even find some of those are, are stumped and scratch their heads about things with regard to this particular topic. Um, I want to say also at, uh, at the outset, I'm, uh, I'm going to give you this morning, I'm going to, somebody else, Matt may, have, Matt may have taught this class this morning and have a different view about this. Uh, when I say that, I think this is a subject that we can, we can have a different perspective on. Um, and still be able to worship and work with one another, still have peace and harmony when it comes to the things that we do. Um, I, I think there's times when, you know, I, I, and again, just come across things that I've read where there are brethren who, for instance, uh, when it comes time to pick a, an evangelist for a, for a gospel meeting, uh, they may say, oh, you know, but that, that brother, mm, he, he, from what I hear, he does a lot of good things. Boy, he really's a stickler for the head covering. I think we better pass on him. And, I, and I, I'm, 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 I'm passing this along to you this morning to just think about as we engage in this study and we look at these 16 verses, basically. Uh, that and and I want us to, you, you know, we're not living in Corinth today. We live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 2022. I'm not in a position to even tell you. Other than what I read, because I've never been to Corinth. I've never been in that area to see, to be involved with the things that those people were going with. So we've got God's word. We've got those that have researched these things. And, you know, those, that, that's what I've built my lesson on this morning. It's what I've built some of the things I'm going to talk about, plus the fact, just some of my experiences, that I feel like in looking at God's word, how Paul would, and, and not just 1 Corinthians 11, looking at other passages throughout, even, even 1 Corinthians but things that Paul brings out that I feel like are, are, are part of how we should all, and, I, and I'm saying that we should all, in our private studies and the things that we look at, just to make sure that we're doing those things that are proper and we're doing those things that uh, are, are pleasing to our, to our Lord. So what I'm going to do here as I get started, I'm going to start into some of this, this particular chapter 
And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to take it somewhat slow. If, if I say something that uh, you, all of a sudden it's got a uh, red flag or you're scratching your head, if, please feel free to, to interject. Please feel free to comment. Um, we see here in chapter, in, in verse 2, Matt had covered uh, 8, 9, and 10, and 11.1 was part of actually his study uh, last week. Be imitators, Paul says, be imitators of me, just also I am of Christ. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly the traditions that I delivered them to you. So I delivered them to you. What I want to think about here is, you know, we've, we're, we've dealt with a church that has had a lot of problems. And as we continue through the, the remainder of, of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, this, this church has got a lot of issues, but Paul has been willing to take this church by the, I'm going to use this term, the hand, so to speak, and walk them through these things because he cares about them, he loves them, he sees that there's capabilities here, and he's trying to steer them in the right direction so that they are profitable, that they glorify God in the things that they do. Uh, But uh, he's definitely having to shake their tree at times. But here, read verse 2, and he says to them, I praise you. Now, this is seldom because, you know, when, when, you, th- when you think about all that we've gone through from, to where we are now, um, this is not something that Paul's just, just constantly lays in, and lavishes on them. But he says, uh, I want to praise you because you remember and everything and hold firmly to the traditions. Now, traditions, I'm going to stop with that for just one second just to have you think about that, that terminology. Traditions. Do you think he's talking about traditions from a standpoint of the customs of the day, the things that are happening in Corinth, the things that are happening there? Or we just give you a couple things to, to think about as, as I think about that particular term that Paul uses. I'm going to look at 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And Paul says to, to, to the Thessalonian brethren, so then brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions of, which you were taught, whether by word, whether by mouth, by letter from us. Now, who are they? They're, they're, they're the apostles. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one more passage uh, and just basically the same area, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. And it says, Now we command you, brother, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition for which you receive from us. Now, I'm going to just lay my particular perspective here with regard to this. And I think because this, I feel like, sets a stage or sets the groundwork for, I feel like, where we can go uh, in these different directions, a couple of different directions with regard to the head covering and that particular issue, um, if we don't really understand some of the things that Paul writes to them here about. I saw a hand over here, and I'll... I'll be right with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I saw your hand, and I was kind of just on a little track there. I needed to finish, but uh, if something else comes back up, please, please raise your hand. Uh, but you know, in, in my perspective, I'm not so sure that Paul's not talking to them about the things that they've received from him, the things that are divine from God that they have, that Paul has, has has given them. And not from the traditions or not from customs and standpoint that exist in the time of Corinth. Now, if you just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, as I get through and, and move into 
the, the other part of this chapter, I, f- I think I'm going to be able to bring that to light and show you why I feel that way and why I believe that's the case. Um, chapter Verse 3 says, I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of every woman. And God is the head of Christ. I'm going to stop there for just a second. You know, we're talking about, we're talking about, uh, you know, as, as I look at this particular verse, I want us to think about the order of headship. I want us to think about what Paul brings out here as he says to them, Christ is the head of every man. Is there anybody in here that would disagree with that? Raise your hand. Probably wouldn't want to do that, would we? Because most of us, I think, in this audience would, would say that. Man is the head of every woman. Maybe we're starting to get a little bit touchy now. Still, I think we all would say that. That's in, that are in this audience. Now, go outside these doors and read this passage to somebody, and you may get all kinds of wild answers and, and, and a lot of disagreement. Um, and God is the head of Christ. How about that? I think we all would say that we would agree with that. And before I get into to, to verse 4, I just think what I want to say here, is, and I think as long as we recognize this is not something that, that I just put up on the board, this is something we can read about. This is something Paul brings to their attention. He brings to this so that they understand this is the hierarchy. This is the way this is this arrangement. God has designed this arrangement. Now, let me also say, let me also say this. When it comes to headship and it comes to this order of headship, God, Christ, man, woman. Thinking about authority, thinking about leadership, does this mean that the woman is inferior or less important to the man. Did I hear a hand back? Okay, okay. Uh, It takes more effort to be submissive than it does to not be submissive. See, I had a relative of mine who had a really hard time with that passage because they wanted to be in charge of their family, and they were a woman. And I told him, I said, no, that's not the way it is. The man's in charge of the family. Because uh, it's, more, uh, it's more power to be submissive and to be quiet and to, to play that world than to be assertive and be loud and boisterous and be out front all the time. But she didn't agree with me. But you know. Okay. So when we think about this, this hierarchy, we think about this order that, that God has, has put in place. Let's think about the word inferior. What's that mean to you? If you hear or you say something's inferior to something else, what are you saying? Less. Less. Okay, that's a good word. What else? Any any other words pop in your mind? Lower quality. quality. Yeah, less. Lower quality. Did I hear somebody over here? When you think about that, and, and, and I had of little or less importance, value, or merit. No. That is not the case. And that's the thing I, I, I want to make sure that I convey this, that this morning. Was Christ inferior to God? Looking at, looking at where he was as, the, as God the Father, God Almighty, Christ. Was he inferior to him? Let's think about Christ for a minute. 
You know, he's, he's given, Paul has given these brethren this example of this headship for a reason. And I believe as we start into this, this segment of this, and this particular issue on the covering, um, I think this is one of the reasons I feel like Paul brings this to their attention and tries to honestly nail this down and send this home because it's important for them to understand that. God, Christ, man, and woman. But I also feel like we're going to get into some verses here that are going to show that that should take away that inferior thought process. Um, So, I'm going to to bring a slide before you. And uh, again, I want you to, I'm going to say up front, I want you to feel free to disagree with me. Um, and, and feel free that if, you, if there's something up here that, again, that challenges your thought process into the point where, um, you know, you want to talk to me about it or you want to talk about it in class, we can do that. But I'm kind of going to give you my direction as to where I feel like this particular situation uh, leads and what I feel like is, is what's being taught here in 1 Corinthians 11 with regard to the covering. Now, what I want to do in, in, in light of this is I want to think about this. Again, I feel like this is a very challenging and very difficult section. There are a lot of different views regarding this. And I don't know, even from all I've read, I've read a lot of commentaries. I've read a lot of books. I've read, looked at some websites of, of brethren who I've, who I've had a lot of, and still do, great respect for, some who are adamant about this particular position, this particular role in, in, uh, in the church. Um, and like I say, even to the point of it being binding. But uh, I don't know if there's anyone in here or anywhere that I've come across in what I've read that has a crystal clear view. There's other chapters in, in 1 Corinthians. I'll just use that because Matt and I have been teaching that this quarter that I feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more confident about when I tell you something um, than I do with this particular chapter. And I'm saying that, again, just to lay groundwork. I'm, I'm not a perfect individual. And if somebody brings something to light to me that I need to change a viewpoint, I'm more than happy to, to look at that, study about it, and, and make those changes wherever is necessary. But when I look at this, and I bring this slide before you, I'm looking at this from the, the, a, a custom, what was custom and customary at that time, the, de, the, the decorum of Corinth and the things that I think when Paul wrote to them, he, he would have utilized. One of those, I think, you know, he commends them for keeping the apostolic traditions in verse 2. If it were a matter required by divine law, okay, if it were, this were a matter that were required by divine law, why did Paul commend them for following divine law if this was something because they were not they were not doing that if this was something that was required from god said thou and and as the you know there are things we see that this was a command that god gave them throughout this book we see those things but he commends them on keeping the traditions but they were not keeping this if we want to look at this as something that was from divine law. They weren't keeping those. Following divine law, but not following the custom as they should. I think that's what he's saying to them. I'm praising you because you follow many of those things. You know, he's challenged them and he's taken them to task on some things. He had to shake their tree. But he says to them, 
following divine law, but you're not following the custom as you should. The custom of what I feel like is, is it, it, they're in Corinth. Covering was a sign of subjection, but, but is it today? That's what I'm asking you to think about. Verses 4 through 7. The word proper. This is a New American Standard Bible. And I want to say, um, it, it, you know, and the word fitting can refer to that which is accepted by the decorum of the time. You can say, well, Phil, that, that could be a lot of things. And that's true. It, it could be. But I think looking at this, as we see this. It can also, you know, just be as, as the decorum of the things that were happening at that particular time in Corinth. This would have been something that they should have embraced, they should have been able to see. The covering's not mentioned in other passages when discussing headship and submission. That's the one that strikes me the most when it comes to, when you look at Ephesians 5, you think about the husband and the wife. You think about the wife being subjected to the husband. You think about 2 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Peter 3. If, if that was something that is required... And something that, even to this day, is something that we should be doing. Why do those passages especially not say anything about that? Again, I'm throwing it out there as food for thought. And then again, call to custom. Verse 16, I think that's where I, I lean more toward as we get to, to that particular area, and that particular, uh, that particular verse. I think that brings it out to me more of that being a custom of the time. Now... What I want to share with you here, and I want us to think about this. You know, many times you think about customs in the, in the, back in Bible times. You think about things that they did. We've heard lessons about some of these things. Think about John 13. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, washed the feet of, of... And I want you to think about what was that for? Why did he do that? That was for servants to do or slaves to do. And the reason he did that was to teach them, if I can be humble enough to wash your feet, then you should be humble enough to wash each other's feet, which means you should be humble enough to to do the same for each other. Okay. Absolutely. So I want to ask you a question. The last time you had somebody over to your home, how many, you all have a foot basin? Did you wash anybody's? Did you wash those individuals' feet when they got there? You know, there, you still look at the, the the you still look at humility. You still look at selfless love. You still look at hospitality. But what about the custom? Is that a custom that we have today? You think about washing somebody's feet. I think a person can show somebody hospitality by a lot of different by a lot of different ways. But foot washing is not something that we do. How about the holy kiss? I walked in this morning and I didn't see anybody at the door greet me with a kiss. I didn't see anybody, in fact. But was that a custom of the time then? It was. It was a custom. And the principles, and in the, in, in the, when I say the, the things that that represented, that didn't change. That still means, you know, what, what was the point of the kiss? What was that to embrace a brother and 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 leave United States of America and go other go to other countries. That's still prevalent. That's still, you know, 
if you were to move to some of these areas, you know, I, I've never lived internationally. I know David, David has, and, and some of you all maybe have been in, those, in some of those places. I, David Creech, I know, has been some things with the military. But think about some of those environments that have or still practice these things, these customs. If you were there and somebody greeted you with a kiss, would you shove them off? You probably want to embrace them. You probably want to, you're, you're going to, I mean, because those, those cultures are rich with regard to those things. And when you think about that holy kiss, a greeting, a friendship, an acceptance, that's how they do that. And that's what that meant. And it's important that we understand. And that's why, and then the last thing I'm, I'm using here is, this, and I guess I'm just sparking your thought process, the head covering, authority. Authority for what? Think about this. We're also talking about here a time, I think, that we're looking at spiritual gifts. You know, when, when we think about spiritual gifts and we think about what's, what's, what's going on here with regard to spiritual gifts, there were women at this point in time, there were women back in, in, in Bible times that had these spiritual gifts, that had the capabilities to pray and prophesy. And... We're going to get into some things here shortly that I think with regard to authority and subjection that will actually provide an answer, I think, for why some of these things were, were utilized, why they were important. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get ready to get into more of the text here. Any comments or questions about anything that we've talked about so far? Yes, sir. It's just a couple other things maybe to think about is when, when we're looking at these, these traditions, especially the traditions given by the apostles, and in comparison to the, our customs not performed today, you know, the, I believe there, there are things given in example and command and inference throughout the Bible that people over time chose to stop doing and therefore may not be done today so could that be a reason why some things that were customary then are not customary today because man chose to stop following those examples just one thought there and then to going back to the thought about well if something is mentioned one place in scripture but not in others does that make that one not as relevant or is not important or that we should not follow it. Are you asking me that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, just the, just the, you know, things to think about in that aspect because, I mean, we have other things throughout Scripture that are only mentioned just one time, say Acts 27. How many you times? Know, but then that. I, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask everybody this. If it's a command, how many times does it have to be made if it's a command, something we're supposed to it's authorized that we're supposed to follow. How many times? Yeah, Once. I mean, that, that's what whether it's command Once. or example. Yes. I mean, as well, yeah. Yeah, one time. I mean, I, I don't think it has to be multiple times when it comes to something. That, again, if it's come from apostolic from apostolic example, it's come from divine revelation. That's something we're told. We're, that's that's a that's an order. That's a directive from our God, our our Father. I saw another. Chris, was that you? Okay. Another one that would go pretty well on that list is uh, 1 Corinthians 8 through 
uh, 10, meat offered to idols. Um, and I, I think Matt did a great job of a lot of good points on that. Um, the, uh, I mean, we don't, we don't have that situation anymore where there's a bunch of temples of, uh, that have idols that were, uh, and, and things were sacrificed to them. And, and that's, that's not a food source for us, at least around here. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in as, as another one. I would say, and along to, to just kind of piggyback on what you just said, the thing we got to be careful of in that, just because I had a supervisor that was a Muslim, um, he's, he left and, and went to, you know, to University of Massachusetts, but he expected his meats to be kosher. He expected a lot of things today, to this day and time. And he's been gone from, from this area for five. But I do know there's a mosque here in this town. There's a mosque that the individuals that, that, that go to prayers on Fridays, he and I have had a lot of discussion about this. I will tell you that right here in our town right now, we deal with people who would say and somewhat, not, not necessarily sacrificed. We may look at it from that standpoint, but there are people who would take us to task on the way we eat meat, the way we would, we would eat things like that, based on their religion, based on what they think is proper and, and right. Yes. And that's where the principle continues. That's right. We still don't want to cause any offense That's right. That's right. Good, good, good point. Um, yes, sir. Just real quick, I think the, the comment was made last class that we're still in that section technically. You know, it, it starts in these different sections. It says now concerning this thing you wrote to me about, and we haven't hit that yet. So we're still even in this in that section talking about our use of liberty and being mindful of our brethren and what we can do that brings the glory to God. Correct. That's right. Absolutely. Good, good point. Yes. I just want to say that back then, the head covering situation, um, in Rome and other things, um, head coverings were um, very sheer, very, very see-through, and this head covering might have been a little bit thicker. And back then, it was more like a, a, a cloth that was covering your head. Um, and so that custom was usually done for women because that's how you knew the difference between a woman and a man because a man would not have their head covered back then. So that's a, that's a custom back then. But today, um, my opinion on it is, um, my opinion on it is it doesn't matter today because uh, today's culture is a little bit different and a little bit... Um, I know people who are righteous who who don't wear hair coverings, and I know people who are not righteous who do wear hair coverings. So it just depends. On the I, I will I will tell you just again to go along with what Leanne said. There are a lot of people today who find this still as active as these brethren would have found it then. There are people today who still see this as important as part of their being in service to God for the woman to have her head covered. Now, I'll tell you what I've also, in just in, in my study, is the fact and, and, and found is that there are a lot of different head coverings. There are head coverings that could just be something that's placed artificially over the hair, something that could be 
placed over the face? How much of the hair? How much of the face? How much? If you think about, again, looking at the Muslim world, looking at, looking at, at, at those, those individuals, I mean, I'm, I'm on the NTSU campus, and if I am outside uh, of my building and walking, you see, and many of you, I know there's, there's some here that work at MTSU, could verify what I'm about to say. You interact with individuals who wear a lot of these, these particular garments, and some of them, it's, it's literally all you see is their eyes. That's it. Everything else is covered up. And they do that based on what they feel is right when it comes to honor, authority. Uh, now, I, this can this can take down go down a, a whole different road that I feel like when it comes to Sharia law and some things like that uh, that I don't agree with. But again, those are some things that uh, I feel like that you know I, I've had this discussion again with my supervisor and for hours, and I don't feel like we ever really. You know, made any headway, but some of those things we'll see people that have those beliefs, and they are very staunch. They are very strong beliefs. Um, I'm going to continue unless I have another hand or somebody wants to make a comment. Um, so, as we think about, and I'm, I'm going to look here, looking at verses four, showing honor to the head by use of the covering. In a nutshell, what I believe has happened here, and I don't know if it's because of the spiritual gifts. I don't know if it's, if it's arrogance on, on their part. But I think it's not really a matter of them not wearing the covering, as Paul brings out, but the fact that they're not wearing it all the time when they're in these specific places. Um, verse 4 Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. He talks about the man. Verse 5, but every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For she's one of the same as the woman whose head is shaved. Does that make sense to everybody? You understand what he's saying here with that? The man, he looks back, and you think about this, who has something on his head when he's praying or prophesying, it's a disgrace, it's a dishonor. But you look at the woman who has her head uncovered while praying, or she has her head shaven. You know, again, some of this got, gets back to male, female, man, woman, and looking at this is a man, this is a woman. Again, there's a lot of different directions people have gone when it comes to deciphering some of this. But I think Paul is simply saying here, if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her head cut off. Her hair, not her head, her hair. Yeah, I knew you'd catch me on that. Uh-huh. Uh, but if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaven, it says let her cover her head. For a man, and he's bringing this point home, for a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. I saw, yes, sir. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, when I look at that verse 16. Verse what, I'm sorry? When I look at that verse 16, I kind of see that in a little different 
It says, but if any man seem to be contentious, which is being argumentative, if you want to argue, we have no such custom, neither do the churches. In other words, we just talked about here for 11 verses, and it's not a custom. We have no such custom. We're not going to argue about it. We have The churches have no such custom to be argumentative. I think that's what that verse is saying. It's not a matter of the custom of having long or short hair. They just spent 11 verses on hair. No, I, don't think, I don't think the issue is the hair, the long or short hair. I think the issue is looking at the custom of the covering. Well, that's, that's, the, that hair is, can be the covering. Well, that's again, I'm, I'm going to get into that here in a minute too. Um, I'm just saying that verse isn't saying we have no such custom of covering. As saying we're, we're not, we have no such custom as to whether we're going to argue about it. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I think that's what that's coming out with verse 16 to say as well. That, 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 that it's, that it's when we don't have the custom. In other words, Paul's not passed this down as something that needs to be integrated or part of the church. But this is something they that... They just spent 11 verses integrating that, talking about long and short hair and the hair being a covering. And basically what I say is, when he says it's not the custom and it, we have no such custom as saying we no, have no such custom as to argue we, if any man seemed to be contentious, argumentative about what we've just said we have no custom as we're not going to argue about it. We've said what we've said and that's it. They, they spent 11 verses on being covered or not covered whether you look at it as hair or a covering and that's what they're not going to argue about. And who's they? That's what Paul's saying, are he? We have no such custom. The churches have no such custom okay. as to be argumentative. Okay. Any other comments? Did you have your hand up? I, I'm trying to figure out when to talk because I don't want to interrupt you, but... Um, I agree with the that interpretation of verse 16 as well, that it's it's about being contentious, um, not that this is a custom, but, um, you know, but it's easy for us guys to to not wear a covering because it's not popular to wear a covering when we pray or, you know, uh, we don't prophesy, but... Um, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. With regard to praying and prophesying, do we do that today? Absolutely. We pray, okay. for sure. We prophesy. I don't, I don't. I don't have an answer for that one. I'd ask my elders. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking. You know, th- those were those were spiritual gifts that were given to these brother. Miraculous. I mean, th- these were gifts that were given to them. Do we still do we still practice those things today? Right. I'm sorry. Right. Maybe not prophecy. Sure. Sure. Yes, sir. As, as we're getting into verse seven, Paul starts to explain, going back to creation, some of the some of those principles that are underlying the customs we're talking about here. As he starts this chapter, he starts talking about the men. Apparently, some of the men are wanting to wear this. Some of the women are not wanting to wear this, and that, in a sense, can speak to some of our own temptations, where we might say that women might want to reach for authority, mm-hmm. and men often want to abdicate. Because we, if we're created 
not just to make the make a decision about everything, but to represent God's image and His glory in the authority. Men can want to maybe abdicate that and want to say, "Don't look at me. I'm not representing God. Don't don't look at my life. Don't." And yet, we're called to do that sure. to represent Him. And so, this underlies a little bit for both groups the temptations we might have to overly grasp for authority and yet not take it as we're called to have it as well. Good point. Good point. I thought I saw, did I see a hand over here? Any other comments? We got people at the door. Um, sorry, Matt. Somewhere. Okay. Hey, uh, I, I think it's important to make the distinction that uh, not every woman is subject to every man. A woman is subject to her husband. Um, I think, I don't think uh, my wife, uh, according to this scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, where it says, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman. That's the New American Standard version. Um, And also in Colossians and Ephesians, it makes clear that each wife is subject to her own husband and my wife is not subject to other men she is subject to me as her husband that's correct i agree with that any other comments before we close i think that's very good that's the i agree I, I, and i and i welcome it very much. Thank you all for your comments. I appreciate it.